Welcome to Planet Impact, a show about how non-conformist social entrepreneurs are changing the world. Here's your host, Manthan Shah. Today we have with us Mr. Sujay Suntrap, a founder of iCure, Ashoka Fellow and the most impactful person that I've ever met who's revolutionizing medical industry in India, especially for the rural people. And it's just a pleasure to have you on the podcast. So thank you. Yeah, thanks, Manthan. Uh, and uh, thank you for the opportunity and your eagerness to listen uh, our story. Let us start in the beginning. So, so could you please tell me where were you born and what was the story there? All right. Hi, I'm Sujay Santra, founder and CEO at iCare. I was born in a village in West Bengal. In fact, my father was working in a bank. And my mom, uh, she was at our native village. And when she got into labor pain, before my father could take my mom to the hospital, I, I was born in the village. Oh, uh, so that's the story of uh, how I was born. So I did my schooling in Kharagpur, West Bengal. I know, as you all know, that we have this premier uh, engineering college called IIT in uh, Kharagpur and during the early days I used to sneak into the computer labs uh, to learn about various computers as well as play games and uh, during those times and I'm talking about late 80s computer was mostly for the privileged from that time I developed a fascination about computers and I thought that uh, how can I make a career of that as I grew up, I, I got into doing BCA and then MCA Masters in Computers. Uh, I did it from IET, Hyderabad. And from there, I joined NRSA, National Remote Sensing Agency, which worked on space agency, working uh, as a junior scientist. And wow, I was fortunate to... There, sir. Yeah, I was fortunate to have my first mentor was Professor K. Radhakrishnan. Many of you would know that he was the mission to Mars X. ISRO chief. Uh, so he was my first mentor and I got a lot of uh, support and guidance in my early days in my career. Wow. Um, just out of curiosity, are you still in touch with him? Yeah, yeah, I am in touch with him. Wow. So growing up, what was your relationship like with your father? Yeah, so uh, my father, as I was saying, that he used to work in a bank. And uh, as a child, I saw that in many cases, uh, unlike the normal parent, he did not draw a circle around me, uh, so he allowed me to explore the things. I still remember that uh, I was actually very naughty. And uh, for example, uh, <laughs> when the radio was there, and I thought that how the you know how the music is coming from the radio, and in that process, I kind of you know broke it up. Uh, <laughs> so, so that that's how I was. So there was a lot of curiosity, and uh, even though my father was a little displayed at times because of this nature. But uh, he never stopped me to prevent my curiosity. I, I think as parents, that's extremely important that if you don't let your child's, uh, you know, curiosity or whatever the qualities are, they will not be able to develop those uh, skills. He also made you very independent, right? You had an exam in another city and so you traveled all the way alone? appeared for an examination in Madurai. And I was in Kharagpur in West Bengal, which is like almost 2,400 odd kilometers. And this was like mid 90s, 95, 96, without any mobile phones. So I was in class 12. And uh, before that, I have never traveled 
outside for such a long journey and i travel all alone that was extremely uh, you know a lot of experience about many things and so the core principles that were laid into you since your childhood by your father were this independence fostering a sense of curiosity and what else human values and the ability to give respect and get respect so the, despite that he was in a senior position i used to see that the way he used to speak with any member be it the sweepers peons or other junior staffs in his bank or maybe the farmers uh, customers he never i have never seen him misbehave with anyone so there was a lot of respect for people and that in turn uh, also earned him a lot of respect Uh, in that process that was one of the core values that i learned from him sir in this process of your childhood and schooling and college were you a good student yeah so uh, i would say i was fairly a good student i used to study in central school iit kharagpur which was again one of the top schools within the, that period and uh, my ranking was third or fourth rank amazing so you were academically and extracurricularly inclined but yes. like from what we spoke earlier you were extremely community driven since your childhood yes so that is something to notice so then later on your excellence from academics really saw you through in your career too right while yes. you were working in oracle and uh, ibm you won five ratings of outstanding performance at oracle and multiple very prestigious awards at ibm too could you please tell us about that you know after my studies and then working in nrsa i went to job site in new delhi as a, it was a start of working in the job portal space and uh, from there i understood and thought that maybe you know that job is not for me so i ran a company of my own uh, way back in 2002 2003 i ran it for around one and a half years uh, although that time the whole concept of startup entrepreneurship funding investments was not there uh, but that gave me a lot of experience and insights about the entrepreneurship journey and from there i went to join ibm in bangalore because of my very uh, way of challenging the status quo and uh, thinking uh, about uh, the way uh, things should be done in a more efficient way got me around five awards uh, ibm and uh, six awards i got it from oracle including the oracle pace setter award uh, which i received from all the way from evp of oracle uh, who reports to larry ellis in the ceo of oracle that is so big that is just a massive achievement i mean it's way in the past but i congratulate you on that yeah so uh, and uh, during that time i uh, i used to see that uh, technology and uh, this is the time of like 2008 2009 i saw that technology was definitely playing a key role in many areas be it telecom finance railways space research but unfortunately not within the healthcare space uh technology did not penetrate beyond cities towns and the districts and technology was meant only around the businesses meaning that when a patient is walking to a hospital all the patient registration billing happens and when the patient is walking out of the hospital the patient loses all contact with the doctors that is really unfortunate and could you tell me the story of your realization you were working in ibm and oracle and you felt yeah. a sense of void that was yes, yes. yeah yeah one fine day you went to a village and there was an event of realization where you saw that medical in rural india is like not pertained as much what was that event of realization like you know even though i was doing well in my career but uh, whenever i used to travel back to my city uh, and town in kharagpur i i saw that 
my work was not able to touch people around me people used to ask what do you do for a living and i used to say that i work for a very giant uh, multinational company building solutions uh, for the globe somehow my work was not able to relate for the people around me and that uh, that kind of created a void because i have seen my father in the, in my childhood that his work was we brought him so much of love and respect for his own community members and uh, that kind of created a void within me and from there uh, so i started exploring about what why is it that technology has not been able to penetrate the healthcare space why is it that even for the basic things be you know pain cough and cold fever patients are dying because of unavailability of doctors and can we create solutions built around technology to solve this problem so uh, in uh, during my exploratory phase uh, on uh, one of those days i i was in uh, west bengal and i traveled uh, on a local train to a remote village uh, just to explore the idea speak with the people and understand what are their challenges whether uh, my idea would be anywhere applicable or suitable for them uh so during one of the conversations i remember that i i spoke to one of the old ladies and told about this whole thing and she said that uh, in bengali that baba if you could do it nothing like that that kind of shook me within because during this train journey i was still within like can i do it do you think that's uh, really possible to do it because normally unlike a normal startup uh, wherein you are building some apps or aggregation things this whole thing was extremely extremely difficult this was like a black box wherein even the giants have not been able to crack the model of providing sustainable primary healthcare backed by technology so that's how the thought process and thinking came to my mind yes and just for your audience to know like 50% of the village residents in india have no access to healthcare whatsoever and there are no primary healthcare staffs around in medical in rural india and like 70% of the deaths in rural india occurs because of very manageable healthcare issues but they don't have any facility and that's what i cure aimed to solve am i correct yeah so uh, on an average the statistics tells that a person in a rural area has to travel for 20 to 22 kilometers just to see a doctor so i remember i was working in one of those uh, places uh, this particular clinic was uh, uh, near a steel plant upcoming steel plant in west bengal so i this was around 1 115 pm uh, in the afternoon and uh, we saw that a group of four five women were hurriedly coming to the clinic to see the doctors and by the time they reached that facility the doctor had already left these patients who had already walked for around 12 kilometers barefoot in this hot summer and so they had two options either they could walk for additional 10 kilometers to go to the clinic or they had to wait for additional 2 weeks to see the doctor so that was the plight and that is the plight of many many people in the rural places that is so heart wrenching and oh my god what i don't know what to say so so when you embarked upon this journey you clearly had to leave oracle was it a difficult choice and how was it taken by your family yeah of course i belong from a middle class family with the sole earner within the family and with my daughter was only 2 years 10 months old so the entire life and career was there and i was doing uh, well so the choice was extremely extremely hard uh, for me and my family one thought was in my mind that you know 
if i don't do it now i will never be able to do it it's like any opportunity it's now or never and i had also the confidence that i will not let my family starve so i am confident enough that if this does not work through i can any day go back to job and ensure that my family does not suffer of course okay. the sufferings was there for my wife and daughter because they did not see me for many many days when i was traveling and working but we have gone through that challenge in the beginning but you know that conviction has to be there for any entrepreneur that it's now or never tremendously had that conviction and this is a big kudos to you and your family on that step so sir when you started iqure what was the team like and how were the first 3 years like yeah so when we started iqure so initially for around 15 odd months we were uh, working on the actual piloting and proofing the concept that time i was still working in oracle and during my weekends and at nights i used to work on uh, create and explore and do the research studies that why do you think technology has not been able to penetrate on the ground why do you think that the people have not been able to adopt uh, technologies for healthcare and i used to interview a lot of people uh, researchers doctors academicians and government officials about the state of affairs and that gave me a lot of learning within that process and once we were able to come up with a solid proof of concept material uh, we applied for funding from a webel venture fund government of west bengal enterprise and we got the initial seed funding so our initial team members was i think around 6 uh, 7 members uh, team uh, to start with wow so this proof of concept and feasibility report is extremely important before you start any project no matter how with how many good intentions it is absolutely that is definitely important because you know unless and until you do your homework very very thoroughly you will kind of get bombarded and blasted because you have to deal with uh, many people be it your critics your uh, other stakeholders and they will definitely see that whether this person has come prepared thoroughly prepared or not so that is very very important so so what were like the key three research points that you got from your uh, exploratory research why is not the tech giants unable to penetrate the rural markets a uh, couple of things one is that most of the people like even i being a techie we have seen that india by itself has a very westernized approach to adopting in a top down approach what we call but india by itself is very very different the if you move every 100 kilometers language changes food pattern changes disease profile changes our model was a bottom up approach wherein we understood the things on the ground what kind of thought process a normal village woman thinks unlike a person who is like say studying in a city in a college uh, so these mindsets are very very different which we actually call the true bharat so our innovation was centered around bharat this 840 million people the 70% representation of our country and how they think how they behave what kind of thought process or insights they are are so that was definitely one key learning the second learning it's not that rural or semi urban locations is plagued with just the you know the deficiency of the doctor so we know that we have one doctor for every 2000 odd patients but that's not only the problem we have seen that when the doctor is writing iron and folic acid uh, which is a very important uh, you know medicine for the pregnant mothers the mother won't take that thinking that the baby would be dark in color 
so these are the social and the cultural taboos which are there uh, which is uh, you know still very very prevalent uh, in the interland and the third thing is uh, the infrastructure unavailability so i am talking about the period of 2009 10 and uh, maybe april 13 the internet penetration was not so good as we have seen today and that's why we had to think of solutions which is a combination of offline online approach models that can we really go to the patients those day because what we have understood is patients are okay to travel for surgeries to do some major things but they are not okay to travel for like 30 or 40 or kilometers to go for a you know fever checkup or normal checkups so they want the primary healthcare within the community so these are the some of the learnings which wow. we really gem, understood gem of learnings these were i mean for anyone social entrepreneur listening this is the way to go to start about i mean it, this just gave me a whole lot of perspective about indian landscape so thank you for sharing that sir yeah after a while you realized like uh, because of all these data you had you realized mm-hmm. the patients who were coming from a certain area had certain very concentrated issues about muscle pain certain yeah. women ha- pregnant women had certain problems so you were able to identify geographically which locations and then go deeper and find the root cause of it right yes, so yes. what was that moment of revelation like yeah so many things so for example in many areas uh, i remember uh, our team actually uh, i know and i was part of a meeting in torpa in jharkhand a very remote area and uh, we attended a meeting for uh, with around 60 odd village women uh they were in their age range of 30 to 65 70 years of age i mean they are called the self help groups uh, who actually works in the communities and we saw to our surprise that none of them were actually wearing spectacles so we typically asked that how is that all of your eyes are doing fine and then to our surprise we saw that close to 35 40% of the uh, women had some issue or the other and the problem was they never saw eye doctor and optometrist within that village so then we start, we were the first uh, to provide computer eye checkup spectacles uh, to these communities we have provided we were the first uh, to bring doctors to many many areas in india ever since independence so that's how i think we have done some path breaking solutions and disruptions to go to the interlands uh, to provide care to the community absolutely sir i mean it just reading your story and listening to you right now is a matter of honor to me i pleasure so but like you were you didn't have a very medical background didn't you so was no. this whole journey quite personally challenging uh yes yeah, so uh, i would say that the passion was there and uh, i knew that whenever i needed any help with respect to medical things i definitely will get the support from uh, you know friends family doctors and other persons so i am very fortunate that now uh, you know since ever the journey we have many uh, doctors and stalwarts who came to our support we have dr nasir masood he is our medical advisor he uh, is a physician he was a physician at St John Hopkins in US which is the number one in the world and uh, then uh, we have uh, many doctors as part of the NHS in UK and in Mumbai Delhi Ames and others who are part of our consortium so definitely they come in and provide whatever support that we need 
Wow. So you eventually everything came into place and you found this team of extremely calibered people. Yeah. So that's, that's how I think uh, is like, uh, even if you are in an entrepreneurship, it's not necessary that you need to know everything. Uh, maybe you know some of the things and the rest of the things people will come to you if they see that you have the passion, you are hardworking and you have the confidence uh, to make it happen. So that's like for every members in every sectors, wherein if they are uh, really confident, passionate, hardworking, uh, they definitely will get help from some way or the other. That's a very big learning. So thank you so much for speaking that and absolutely from your experience. So uh, recently um, you met the president of India. So how yeah. was it like? Yeah, so uh, that was, I would say, a life-changing moment. Uh, so we were invited to be part of, uh, after we became the Ashoka Fellows, we got the invitation from the president's office that he wanted to meet us and explore what we are working. So we had almost an hour of meeting with the president and then we were taken for high tea and then photograph session and we got a lot of insights uh, and confidence and support from the president of India. So that was definitely extremely, extremely honorable moment for us. For the work that you do, I mean, it is quite obvious, like this amount of recognition you should totally get. I I, I hope more is on your way. Sir, com- coming to the end, what do you foresee is the future of India and in, uh, healthcare for the rural and how is iCure uh, leading the way? Yeah, so a couple of things. So for example, if we are talking about the situation right now, which is the COVID thing, and iCure wants to be the voice of healthcare globally, meaning that no patient should die of even the due to the unavailability of doctors. No patient should die of you know simple causes like fever or pain or you know uh, respiratory related diseases. So that has uh, that is the whole purpose of iCure. And what we have seen actually is the whole healthcare has been working in silos, medical device companies farmers, uh, you know, the hospitals and the ground teams. And iCure has kind of emerged as a platform to integrate all of that. So, for example, we now work with a lot of devices. Uh, last year, our model was showcased as, uh, the stand- as a case study in Stanford University. We saw that uh, a lot of people or the patients who suffer from the unavailability for doctors uh, after they are being discharged from the hospitals, like Close to, I would say, 60% plus people do not belong to the cities where they are being operated. So let's say after surgeries, when they're sent back to their homes, and if they need access to the doctors, it becomes a nightmare for them and their families. So we are working with US-based company called Braveheart. It's uh, And they have developed a patch, which is the size of Band-Aid. So if you just apply the patch on the chest of the person, it gives galvanic skin reaction, body movement, pulse, and uh, it's like a miniature halter monitor. So that way you will see that uh, whether the patient is in what conditions and the other heart conditions are there. So at a time, if you are able to monitor 1,000 patients, uh, then it's very difficult to see that which are the patients which needs immediate attention. Uh, I remember we had uh, Julie Lochner, uh, who was uh, you know one of the senior heads in the IBM uh, data science uh, and uh, IBM Watson Labs. Uh, so when we shared our problem, so uh, we actually jointly developed this uh, AI-based solution. So if you are monitoring 1,000 patients with around 152 parameters for every patient, Using an AI model, we could uh, rank these patients based on their severity and we can say that, okay, this is the top 10 patients which needs immediate attention 
of the cardiologist. And this model was so successful that we presented it at the HIMSS conference. HIMSS is one of the largest Digitech conference globally in Orlando and the IBM Think conference in uh, San Francisco last year, as well as we presented it at the uh, Delhi event, which was attended by around 150 bureaucrats and they listened to our things. So even with this COVID thing, what we have seen is the data business intelligence are definitely key because we really don't know what is the origination, how it occurred and in which way. So as we speak, our our team is actually working on the ground, providing aided telemedicine support because the large uh, community members cannot provide, you know, they are not able to uh, do telemedicine or video consults with the doctors. There are many chronic patients like that suffering from diabetes, hypertension, pain-related things. So they are not able to get doctors. So iCure through our own technology platform and telemedicine and our frontline health workers, they are going to the patient's doorstep, conducting telemedicine, giving them medicine, giving them sanitizers, masks, and many other things. Similarly, we have our health app, which is helping provide community awareness within the communities about the COVID and the right kind of messaging. So these are the various ways wherein we are helping the communities. And as iCure is emerging as a platform, we can integrate Everything under this, be it medical device companies, farmers, uh, the hospitals, NGOs on the ground. So this is all happening in a very seamless manner. That is just mind-blowing, sir. And all the achievements uh, you mentioned, congratulations on each one of them. So, so what are your opinions on COVID? Like, how can we as a world be immune to such future pandemics? And what can we as citizens and social entrepreneurs do? Yeah, I think a couple of things that we need to see, uh, because as iCare is actually working on uh, precision health and predictive analytics, so these are the things wherein, in terms of precision health, we can uh, we have actually automated the whole data capturing on the ground. Meaning that when uh, whenever the data is being captured, there is no manual imprint of the data, and everything is automated. Similarly, using our predictive analytics, we would be able to predict uh, what is the origination of any problem, uh, be it with for mm-hmm. malaria dengue or ebola or maybe even this covid things because right now the problem is no one is having the unit level data be it the pharma companies if you ask them do they have any unit level data that how many patients have taken the medicines what is their age group what is the other things they don't have any such data and that is like a black box for them and most of the countries have been a speaker at the world health organization it's like a black box that these unit level data is missing. So uh, that's why I think uh, for us, it is very, very important that just like any other industry, we are giving so much of importance. We strongly feel that healthcare and public healthcare needs the attention like never before. This pandemic is not the last pandemic which has attacked our you know mother earth. But if we are able to give importance that it deserves, be it in terms of automation, digitization, right, budgeting across uh, by the governments, by the international funders on and creating more uh, robust infrastructure, mapping each and every individual and their disease life cycles. Only then we will be able to be more empowered and face any kind of situations that may come in the future. God forbid that they don't come, but uh, that is the only way to create a complete digital mapping. And in order to do that, Each and every member needs to be part of the network uh, and understand the histories, how the things are occurring and how that needs to be tackled. 
So absolutely, and I think I hope uh, this COVID pandemic opens our and the government's and everyone's eyes and makes technologies such as yours more critical. Yes, definitely. Um, Let's hope for that. Yes, <laughs> superb. Like a round of applause for the heartfelt interview that you have given about your story and just the trajectory is superb, inspiring. Let's get into a lightning round, which is the second phase of this podcast. First question is: What is your favorite movie? Favorite movie uh, is uh, Dilwale Dulhaniya Le Jayenge, the DDLJ of Shahrukh Khan. Uh, oh, definitely. what a classic! <laughs> yeah. So, so what is your favorite travel destination? Favorite travel destination? Uh, I have traveled many countries around forty-five. Uh, I remember I went to Tampere in Finland. So that was the, one of my first uh, international travel. I, and that's still close to my heart. <laughs> it's a whole story altogether. Finland for the first travel. How did that happen? But let's get into the third question. Who's your favorite author? Uh, so I I do uh, read a lot of books, uh, but. Uh, probably chetan's uh, is uh, is definitely very very simple easy to read and also fun so chetan is definitely one of my favorite chetan bhagat yes absolutely yes. sir do you have a quote or a poem that is close to your heart yeah i would say that actually relates to my is uh, uh, ravindranath tagore's jodi keu to sathe na ashe tobe akla chalo re which is like if no one is accompanying you in your journey you be alone you better be alone and walk and people will follow <laughs> what is one thing you want your daughter to learn i want my daughter to learn is uh, curiosity in and in, in many things and also the life of the people who are not so privileged uh, and how they have actually been happy even those uh, challenges so that is very very important So who's your one inspirational figure and why yeah my inspirational figure i would say definitely uh, is my father the way he has managed his family his work his companions uh, definitely has been my inspiration uh, in my life uh, so yeah so i have got uh, you know i am very fortunate that i have got some of the fantastic mentors all across my journey but uh, my father uh, the way he has given me unconditional support in whatever i have been done of course there are moments of you know just like a father son when i i know that when i left uh, oracle he was not so happy but the unconditional support which i have got uh, is uh, really i mean that's hats off wow um so what is the single great greatest embarrassment of your life single greatest embarrassment of my life i would not call it as an embarrassment so to say i would call it more of a learning uh, in many things for example uh, you remember i went for a presentation and i was kind of little more confident or over confident as you call it i normally am not and i normally if for every conference every seminar every presentation even if it is like maybe the 130th presentation i say still do it like as if this is my first but i remember one moment i was kind of confident but i was not fully prepared and uh, it kind of misfired so that was very very embarrassing for me and then i took it as a you know kind of a this thing challenge within that 
be it whatever number of presentation or conference you are giving, you ought to be completely prepared for that. So similarly, what is your single greatest achievement of your life? I'm sure you have so many. So which one do you choose? I would say single greatest achievement is when I go to the villages and uh, people come and uh, give their warm blessings and hugs uh, for the work which we are doing has been my greatest achievement in my life. Okay. So what is your single favorite compliment that you've received? Single favorite compliment? Uh, I would not, uh, I mean, this was a little, I would say, weird that way. But just I, I we did a conference three days back and uh, we were talking about how IKEA has been playing the role of, you know, in, in many ways uh, during this COVID-19 to our solutions. And uh, we had around 250 CXOs from Fortune 500 companies. In fact, uh, that's part of the one of our investor groups. And there were five other startup founders. And somebody told that when they heard that my voice was sounding like a voice of God. You're a gem of a person, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you. My pleasure. And so with this, let us come to the last section of our uh, podcast recording. Mm-hmm. So sir, what, uh, what are you looking for right now? Is it like funding, interns or just connections, shout outs? Like what are you looking for right now? And how could we connect to you? Yeah, so right now we are definitely looking for interns uh, because there are many areas and we do uh, get a lot of interns from uh, like last year I did my uh, EPGM from MIT Sloan School Executive Program in General Management, which was a 10-month program. And I was lucky that I could complete that program, which is a combination of residential and virtual thing. Uh, so we uh, we always are on the lookout of uh, interns uh, across finance, operations, technology, uh, social media and others. So if anyone is interested, uh, they can contact us. And apart from that, uh, we are, uh, you know, as iCure is uh, in the growth phase, we are looking for funding to, you know, grow our enterprise. Yes. So we so are looking for funding. funding. Yeah. And yes. And so what is the best way that uh, future interns and potential funders could reach out to you, sir? So the best way would be LinkedIn. So I'm uh, pretty active on LinkedIn. So they can drop me a note or send me a request on LinkedIn. So I could uh, revert back uh, as well as uh, our email ID is contact us at the rate I-K-U-R-E.in. So they can drop an email as well. Superb, superb. So I'm going to give the links of your LinkedIn and your website to yeah. the, in the description below. And with that, this was Planet Impact Podcast and it was genuinely a pleasure to have you, sir, on this podcast and telling your story. Thank you so much, Mantel. Uh, it was a pleasure chatting with you.